Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I am your host, Christian Ashelman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about our psycho-human brains, a little bit about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. Well, it looks like uh, we've made it to episode 16, so kudos to those of you who have been out there tagging along throughout the process. Um, I appreciate all of you and the time that you have been kind enough to give to me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As I've been compiling information and uh, just kind of the general overall direction of where I want to take the podcast and other projects that I've been working on, I've kind of been looking at a potential direction shift a little bit in the podcast, just in kind of the content that we're looking at. Um, so over the last while, I have been kind of reevaluating um, various things in my life and been dealing with some health issues um, and some other things, and that's kind of forced me to look at things. And so I kind of have been trying to rekindle various hobbies and other, other things like that. Um, and I just realized a, a rededication to uh, just writing in general, editing, uh, workshopping, all that stuff. And I realized I kind of wanted that to be a part of the podcast, I think, because it's something that's very important to me. And I think that it fits. It fits super well. Because, I mean, the podcast is called Bed Letter, right? So I know we've talked in the past about, you know, various direction changes and this and that. And um, really what, what I'm saying is, is it kind of feels like the podcast is, is something that of an outlet for almost other various hobbies that I have. Um, but that's a whole lot about nothing. Um, I just feel like the podcast would be an appropriate place to share things like this. And so... Uh, if that is something that sounds interesting, or after this episode, um, after we've gone through it, if that's if this is something that is interesting to you, um, feel free to uh, reach out and let me know via you know social media, anything like that. I definitely love feedback, so much appreciated. Any kind of feedback. So anyway, um, moving into the first part of the podcast for today, um, I've kind of had a lot on my mind over the last month or so. Um, as my brother is preparing to go on his uh, two-year mission, uh, two-year religious sabbatical. Um, and for those of you out there who don't know really what that is or what that entails, um, my brother uh, is a member of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he has been called to serve a two-year mission in uh, Accra, Ghana, so in Africa. Um, he's planning on leaving there, leaving for, for Accra in Ghana. Um, Accra is like the main city in Ghana, so he's going to be in there. He's planning on leaving for that um, here pretty soon. He's starting his training for it uh, just in here in a couple days, and then, and then he'll be uh, heading out not long after that. And so two years is a long time, and it's kind of got me thinking about a lot of things. You know, he's my younger brother. Um, he lives pretty far away from me, so I don't see him as often as I wish I could, but he, you know, grew up with him, and uh, he's one of my best friends, and so it's just, it's a long time to be physically away from somebody that you care about so much, and so it's left me with a lot of thoughts, um, and it's got me, got me very excited. I'm very excited for him, because I think there's going to be a lot of really fantastic and amazing, amazing, amazing things that are going to happen over there. Um, I'm also very scared obviously just a lot of emotions kind of rolling around um and i can't even imagine what he must be feeling just the anxiety a little bit and just the excitement of getting to go somewhere completely different and completely new than anywhere we've ever been 
anywhere than anywhere that he's ever been before. So it'll be it'll be so exciting, and I'll be able to you know get updates from him and see how he's doing as he progresses throughout the uh, throughout the two year mission. Um, while he's there, he's going to be interacting a lot with the uh, communities there. He's going to be serving. That's going to be the main thing he's going to be doing is a lot of service work, a lot of um, uh, just serving the people for various things that they need. And so, and then he's also going to be teaching the uh, religious doctrine. So um, I'm really excited for him to do that. I think it's a really good thing. I think it's a really positive thing. And I think it's going to teach him a lot of, a lot of really great things. But uh, that's kind of one thing that's got a lot of things on my mind is this this big journey that that he's about to embark on and um, he gave a farewell address um, just the other day on Sunday um, and I wrote down as he was giving the address I wrote down a lot of my thoughts that I was having throughout the throughout the address um, I wrote them down in kind of a prose poetry mix mash form and um, I really wanted to, I thought it would be appropriate to read that on the podcast and kind of go through it and, and pick it apart and, and use it as not only a, uh, just a fun exhibition of what I wrote, um, but also as a, uh, an, an English lesson, a lesson in um, just like various things I did throughout the process of writing this piece, right? And so I kind of wanted to just pick that apart and use it as a, as a kind of a main topic for today's for today's uh, episode. So I'll start off by reading the the piece. It's called "A Stripling Warrior," and if you'd like to follow along or read it yourself, um, you can always head over to my website, cashlman c a s h l i m a n dot com, um, and it's just right on the front page there, right at the top of the blog. If you're listening to this later and there's other things on there, you can always uh, go into the various categories or archives. Um, it'll be in the archive for January 2021. But uh, the piece is called A Stripling Warrior. And it goes like this. Today is a Sunday, not unlike many other Sundays, filled with a lovely haze of relaxation prior to the start of a new work week. Although my Sunday flows on smooth waters, without much change or torrent, Today there are some whose Sunday seeks the brightest change of all. And so it is today that my brother might be set upon new waters in an ocean so vast and vibrant, an ocean that fills the mind and body with endless priority, seeking space and organization. There is no coincidence drawn between the ordering of importance, sails must be set, anchors raised, and with the watchman's eye, the whole of this spiritual guide will slice through icy waters. Choppy waters will splinter the frame, cracking this energized shield that protects from the sinking depths below. Waves of doubt and discipline will pour over the gunwale, washing priority and principle around the deck of this inspiring ship. The mess will strive to stress, break, cut, and demolish, a mutiny of hope. All is never lost, for in this moment of darkest rebellion, a sliver of aspiration resides, burning with intent. To patch the boat with second thought will undoubtedly leave these sea monsters to resurface. But the present mind, undetermined, I'm sorry, determined to discover resolution, sees limitless journeys in the schooner, endless reinforcements to the structure, born to be free on the wind. This outstanding vessel, now given life through spiritual charge, races out over the water, outset on healing an ailing world. 
The craft is strong. The tools are sharp. Only one matter remains as fuel to reach the golden shores of a new land. Forgotten by many who have set out before, a vital instrument to the virtue of adventure. To endure to the end. I know my brother. He is a fighter, an explorer, a pathfinder, a soldier, a stripling warrior. He's family. Under command of his new ship, there are few who won't hear of his brilliant expeditions. There are few who won't sing praise of his grace. Through his example, there are countless who will find light eradicating darkness from the recesses of their lives. As the sun rises and sets with each day, I know this to be true. Not because I see it with my eyes or I even feel it with my heart. I know this because I know my family. We are kin. We are cut of the same cloth, and that fabric is strong. Sturdy like knotted rope, cinched to steel cleats, hoisting the sacred colors of our ship high into the salty sea air. What can you see on the horizon? Why do the white gulls call? Across the sea, a pale moon rises. The ships have come to carry you home. And that last bit right there uh, was a verse from the song Into the West. It's a song by Annie Leno and Howard Shore. It's actually in Lord of the Rings. Um, it's a song I really like. I thought that just that last tiny little verse fit in really well there at the end. So um, I kind of wanted to go through this entire piece and talk about several different parts. The first being my approach to the piece. The second being my process in writing the piece. And the third being uh, kind of editing and and what I could do better in writing throughout the writing of this piece. So just to start off uh, with the approach. So when I started, um, I started by listening, obviously, to the uh, farewell address that my brother gave. And as he spoke, I wrote down very rough notes, just super rough notes from his address. Uh, notes that um, kind of kind of the key points that he addressed as he moved through the through the talk. And I wrote them down very briefly, very vaguely, very rough. Um, this was just a very a, a scribble, right? Just get down some information, get down some ideas. So that's kind of how I started. I think that's a super important place to start when you are trying to uh, find a topic or find something that you're trying to write about, or even you know the topic but you can't figure out quite how to start. I would just, I would just say and suggest you sit down and you jot down immediate thoughts, immediate, immediate thoughts, whatever comes, pops into your mind first. You, you jot that down, you bullet point it out. Um, and it might be garbage. It might be thrown away and left to the dust later, but, uh, you know, in the beginning it might actually, and, and as you move through the piece, it might find a place within the, within the piece. And so that's kind of what I started with is some rough notes from his address. Um, after that, I started actually putting the piece together, uh, as he, after the, you know, address was finished. And in the piece, I start in my own eyes, in my own body, right? I say, I start by saying today's a Sunday. It's not like many other Sundays for me. It's filled with the, you know, this great haze of, you know, the mid Sunday afternoon, you know, it flows on smooth waters right there. I'm trying to bring in the water, the, the ship analogy, just right out of the gate. Um, but it, there's not a lot of change going on for me. I'm in my own eyes, in my own body in the beginning of this piece. And that's kind of how I felt because I'm in the beginning, as I think about this, I'm in my own head thinking about my own thoughts about him leaving. And then as I begin to think about that, I kind of move into what he's going to be potentially experiencing. So I started my started myself and I move outward. And uh, the next thing I kind of chose in my approach, and this might have been a 
kind of an accident or something I stumbled upon when I used the uh, phrase, although my Sunday flows on smooth waters. Um, but I kind of landed a specific metaphor right there. I kind of landed this this idea of comparing his journey over the next two years in this foreign place to a to a, a an expedition on the water in a boat in a in a, in a ship in a schooner, right? And um, I landed that metaphor, and I kind of realized right when I landed it that that is going to be huge in paving my way forward through the piece. And so I think that as you do prose writing and as you do metaphoric writing, it's huge to land that metaphor and then let it pave the way forward. Let it, whatever the metaphor is, um, allow it to guide you, right? And so when I, and, and when I first started this as well, just going back to, you know, why even choose a metaphor? Why not just write the exact thoughts, the exact experience, the exact whatever? Um, and this varies across different people, but for me, I know that metaphors are incredibly powerful. I know for me that they are the best way for myself to um, explain my own feelings, understand my own feelings, and and teach myself something new. And so I knew that a metaphor for this, and metaphors in many things, uh, would allow me to um, conceptualize this this uh, excitement and 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 fear that I feel for my brother right now. Definitely more excitement though, right? So um, I knew the metaphor would be the best way to explain that, and so I kind of let it guide my hand as I was as I was typing through the piece. So that was kind of my approach to it, right? Um, my process though in in writing the piece so this is this is hugely important this is the the approach is is gigantic every part of of, of writing is, is has its own place that it falls into um, but the process is I feel I don't well I almost feel like the approach is the hardest part in the sense of you know getting started is difficult and finding that that first few words to get you running is difficult because after you kind of start going, you start running, right? You start moving, you start finding words and start figuring it out. So the process is um, probably one of my most favorite parts because I love being in that flow state uh, when you're kind of just cruising and writing and going. Um, but it is hugely important here. So the process that I began with uh, after I had figured out my approach was to completely give myself to this metaphor, right? This metaphor of him being... Uh, on a boat and it's this metaphor of this journey he's taking on a boat akin to the journey he's about to take over the next two years and so I gave myself to this metaphor and I let it guide the next several paragraphs right um, and so I think a big point a part of choosing metaphors in your writing and and divulging the correct information about those metaphors is to stay consistent with the metaphor choice this is incredibly important I think if you and it's something that I almost struggled with in this piece because as I got about halfway through the piece, I started moving into this other other I can't even remember what it was, but it was this other metaphor about had nothing to do with sailing or boats or water or anything. It was completely different. And I realized as I was writing, I can't just start pulling out another metaphor just because I accidentally happened upon it, right? I needed to decide okay, I'm going to stick with this metaphor or I'm going to junk this metaphor, right? And so what I did is, I, I, like I said, I don't remember what the metaphor, other metaphor was exactly. But it, as I said, it didn't have anything to do with sailing or, or, or boating or water or anything like that. 
So I, I ended up junking the other, you know, the one that I started going off on. And I realized that if I, you know, move into the other metaphors, what I believe that does is it kind of pulls your focus away from what you're really trying to talk about, the overarching, you know, point. And even more than that, and even more destructive than that, I think it pulls the focus and, and it confuses the reader, right? It confuses, they're wondering, is this literal? Is this not? Is this why, you know, we're in one metaphor and now we're in metaphorception. We've moved into a, you know, a second one, a third one. And so when you start stacking them like that, unless you do it very tactfully and similarly that leads into the next one, I think it can be a little confusing. So I think it's really important to find that metaphor depending on the length of your piece and you stick with that metaphor. You let that metaphor drive you and guide you, but you don't allow it to totally 180 and flip and, you know, resulting in total confusion of your reader. Um, but that being said, um, moving into the next part, right, about about the process here. So um, I used the uh, rough points that I had that I had written down from my approach uh, as my brother was reading his his address. I used those rough points to guide that metaphor. I kind of looked at the points I had, and I looked at the metaphor I had, and I started to just find random similarities between uh, boating and sailing and you know all that stuff and finding direct similarities to the types of um, difficulties my brother would be facing or the types of um, self-doubt and and other things like that 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 could arise as he's gone and so um I started to use those rough points and I directly used those rough, those rough points that I had written down earlier to discover the similarities between these two topics, right? The metaphor itself and the actual literal act that's going to be happening. And so for these paragraphs, I was going to go through these paragraphs really quick, uh, a couple of paragraphs. I think it's four different paragraphs in the piece and just kind of show kind of what I did to compare, to like, link those two things up right so for the second paragraph the first paragraph like as i said earlier wasn't uh it, it was more in my own body there wasn't as much of the metaphor in there but the second paragraph um and i'll read it really quick it says and so it is today that my brother might be set upon new waters in an ocean so vast and vibrant an ocean that fills the mind with body and endless priority seeking space and organization there is no coincidence drawn between the ordering of importance Sails must be set, anchors raised, and with a watchman's eye, the whole of this spiritual guide will slice through icy waters. And so in his address, I had written down um, that my brother had talked about uh, priorities as he goes out onto this this journey. He had talked about um, the ordering of priorities and how important ordering priorities is, and not just to say, I have these priorities, but to say, this one is of the utmost importance, and then so on and so forth. And because doing that... Uh, I mean, that's vastly important to many aspects of life, but doing that allows a a deeper connection to this other metaphor that I have, right? Because I have, you have a boat, you have a sail, you have a, a, a sailboat, and it has various things that need to be done to it in order for it to be able to set sail. And you can't do those priorities out of whack. You can't do those priorities totally out of order. Otherwise, you're going to end up with all sorts of issues and and maybe one of the reasons that i loved this this analogy is because uh, last year when i was on my um 
uh, or in 2019 when I was on my big road trip, I actually worked in Key West at a on a sailboat for a couple of days, and then I also was just around boats a lot. And in those just couple of days, I even there learned a lot about boats. And so there is a very specific way that that boats are prepared and set sail onto the ocean. And so I kind of felt like that fit in really well with what he was saying. And so right there, I kind of just pulled those two things together, linked them up. Um, and paragraph three, uh, and real quick, I'll read that one as well. So it says, choppy waters will splinter the frame, cracking this energized shield that protects from the sinking depths below. Waves of doubt and indiscipline will pour over the gunwale, washing priority and principle around the deck of this inspiring ship. The mess will strive to stress, break, cut, and demolish a mutiny of hope. And so in this part, uh, my brother had talked about how uh, both outside and inside, there will be a lot of difficulties to come while he is out on this journey. There's going to be a lot of uh, hardship and challenges, right? That's going to be on anything that's going to be at any part of life, especially something as big as this, there's going to be hardship and challenges, both both coming from within and, and outside, you know, self-doubt and things like that, and external forces, external actors that are doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so um, for that for that paragraph specifically, I, I wanted to link up how clearly when you're on rough waters in the ocean, there are a lot of challenges, right? There's a lot going on there, and how... Um, various things that are both outside and inside are going to um, attempt to break your your spirit, crush your spirit, and and that's kind of where I pulled in this this other this other aspect, which is the end of that paragraph where it says a mutiny of hope, right? And to me, that 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 one group of words is very important because if we're speaking at it from a linguistic side of things and we're looking at our metaphor, I think it's incredibly important to choose words that sometimes inadvertently, sometimes directly have some form of meaning for the metaphor, right? They have some form of connection to the metaphor. For example, I don't know if that made sense, but for example, I chose the word mutiny right here, a mutiny of hope, and I chose that word very specifically because mutiny is something that happens and has happened on boats and ships and things like that. And it's kind of a word that is associated and pulled into and in the same Venn diagram as sailing and and stuff like that. Sailing, pirates, ocean, you know, all, all these types of words kind of fit together and kind of build this metaphor and strengthen the metaphor a little bit. A mutiny of hope, right? So I was very, it's probably one of my favorite parts of the whole piece because I, I very specifically chose that that word. Sometimes words accidentally just kind of appear on the page and they're like, oh, that works pretty well. This one was a very conscious choice here. So that's one of my one of my other tips is just when you're picking words to surround your metaphor, pick words that align with that metaphor. Um, I mean, even earlier in that paragraph, I used the word splinter. Splinter is an inadvertent connection where you have boats are typically you know they're made of wood typically sailboats especially and there's um a lot of wood pieces and when boats break they splinter and the boards you know explode out and little chips of wood go and and, and so it kind of just again it it, it builds the it builds the uh, ambiance around this around this metaphor it builds the the validity of the metaphor i guess you could say 
um, you know, words like gunwale or, and gunwale, that's a legitimate part of a boat. And so I kind of used that and that kind of further adds uh, clarity and uh, validity to the metaphor, I think. Huge, huge part right there, I think. Huge um, tip to follow for metaphors, I think, when you're when you're writing about metaphors or writing in metaphoric terms, I should say. So for the fourth paragraph, and I'll read that one really quick as well. It says, All is never lost, for in this moment of darkest rebellion, a sliver of aspiration resides, burning with intent. To patch the boat with second thought will undoubtedly leave these sea monsters to resurface. But a present mind, determined to discover resolution, sees limitless journeys in the schooner endless reinforcements to the structure born to be free on the wind and so in that uh in that my my rough point that my brother had had spoken on in his address he had talked a lot about how uh forgiveness is infinite there isn't a set amount of times that you can be forgiven right and and that is vastly important and um that forgiveness and well and even more importantly is that forgiveness is only going to be successful or true when it is done with intent with true intent true intent of the heart right that was kind of his uh, point that i got from what his address was and so in this paragraph i kind of well directly on the nose say all is never lost right all is never lost but uh in those moments where you are sunken you are in the depths you are uh, and I use darkest rebellion sliver once again using a word sliver would you know similar to splinter um, but I use this paragraph to kind of show that like for example uh, a present mind determined to discover resolution that paragraph right there I could have easily have just said but someone with intent sees you know limitless journeys in the schooner but i said but a present mind determined with this to discover resolution which i guess is just using more words to say a similar thing but i feel like in this sense it's showing that a present mind not an absent mind whereas a second where the paragraph the sentence before i had used a second a second thought right a second thought to patch the boat with a second thought will undoubtedly leave these sea monsters to resurface um and i kind of tried to connect up the uh, sea monsters once again just this just building the world around this this metaphor building the world around this metaphor and trying to link it up with the uh with the idea that sailing with intent or or performing these acts with intent on this ship will allow your ship to be used limitless limitless times right endless amounts of times reinforcing the ship reinforcing and, and and the metaphor for this obviously would be reinforcing his own uh character reinforcing his own uh, belief and and testimony of what he believes and things like that reinforcing that stuff makes it so you have an endless supply of of adventure and an endless supply of ability to 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 use that to use that gift that ship the schooner the the character the body the you know whatever it is and so, you know, there might be um, a few a few long, drawn-out, uh, metaphoric analogies there, right? But I feel like um, that point that he made was incredibly important, and I think intent is very important to show. And so I really wanted to somehow pull those together there. 
Now, um, for the fifth paragraph, as a little bit more on the nose, but I still wanted to go through that one really quick. Um, I said, This outstanding vessel, now given life through spiritual charge, races out over the water, outset on healing an ailing world. The craft is strong. The tools are sharp. Only one matter remains as fuel to reach the golden shores of a new land, forgotten by many who have set out before, a vital instrument to the virtue of adventure, to endure to the end. And that was his big point, right? On, on, on the final paragraph was to endure to the end. And uh, again, this one wasn't necessarily the hardest one to draw a comparison into the metaphor to kind of, because there is, to not endure to the end on a sailing expedition would result in, I mean, a catastrophe, right? And so I feel like that was, it was, it was very aptly, I mean, I was very aptly able to just draw those together. And I was a little on the nose by just saying to endure to the end at the end of that. But I feel like it fits really well in as an on the nose type of uh, group of words for this type of metaphor. There may be other scenarios where you'd have to reword things. I don't know. Maybe that's just overthinking it at that part. But, uh, but yeah, fantastic point he made there. And it just shows how you can squeeze these metaphors, how you can really squeeze a lot out of one metaphor, right? And so the end of his the end of his bit um, the end of the end of my piece that I wrote and the end of his talk uh, was quite impactful and this is something that's pretty common but it's for me at least I feel like when I'm writing the ending of a piece I always try to find a really hard driving point a really hard or or heavy or impactful set of words that can somehow wrap up the uh, you know, the general idea that I've been trying to get across. And so um, what he went with in his was he kind of explained about how family is family and that is a very sacred thing and how that's a very important thing and how um, because of that and because of that knowledge of the, of family being family and because of that gift and him knowing that, it is something that he knows deep within him and it's something that has energized him to be like, I know I can do this, right? Because I've seen my family do hard things and we can do it that kind of thing right and so um he kind of drives it home with that point i really i really liked that and so i kind of copied a a similar vein where i i said you know i know my brother he's a fighter an explorer a pathfinder a soldier a stripling warrior he's family and then i kind of talk about him being under direct command of his ship and how and 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 once again further taking the out the uh the metaphor even a little bit further for the final driving point right um and then obviously at the very, very end, I threw in the quote from the Lord of the Rings song. It felt apt to me. It felt like it belonged there. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily fully, you know, needs to 100% be there. Things like that, where it's kind of just an add-in or like a quote or like a, uh, you know, whatever. Something that's not original or written by you in a piece and you're kind of mushing it in there. Obviously, if you're going to do that, you need to cite where it's from, which is why at the end of mine, I have, you know, what song it is, who wrote it, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you just have to be careful. I think adding little things like that, I think it just, for me, I was kind of listening to that kind of music at the time and it just fit really well. But uh, something like that isn't always necessary. So editing, 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 editing. What could I have done better? Oh, all kinds of things. Let me tell you. Um, I have edited the piece a little bit. I haven't gone back and fully edited it. And part of the reason for that is I kind of wanted to just go through it with you guys a little bit too. So um, 
we're going to fly through the editing here a little bit. I don't want to go too far uh, over 40 minutes, but uh, we'll start off by the title. Um, I think the title is great. I love the title, but there's a huge but here. Um, I don't feel like I fully follow my own advice by sticking to the metaphor with the title. Uh, a stripling warrior, while it has a very impactful and important uh, meaning behind it, especially um, just historically for uh, the church, this, a stripling warrior, a warrior is not typically something I would throw into the Venn diagram of words that are associated with a sailing, boating, water, ocean theme metaphor, right? And so I feel like, I don't know what I would name it other than a stripling warrior, but I do feel like I didn't fully follow my own advice there on sticking to the metaphor. Um, as I said, I like the title, but it might be exam it might be an example of having to, uh, as they say, kill a darling, right? Um, which is to say, if there's a lot of times when you're writing and you're editing what you what you wrote, where you have this one part that you love, you just love this one little part, but there's actually, since you love it so much, you're so close to it, you can't see or you can't or you're almost just not willing to cut it out because there's actually, because you love it so much, right? You're, you're biased. And so, um, it's one of those things, kill your darlings. Sometimes you have to kill your darlings when you're writing. It's something that it's a piece that you love, but it just gotta be taken out because it, it, it interrupts the flow a little bit. And so anyway, the title is definitely something that I feel like I could have, could be changed maybe, um, to fit the metaphor a little bit more. But uh, additionally, editing-wise, uh, peeling the metaphor, this is a big one, I think. I think that when you peel a metaphor apart so far to the point of just fully devouring the metaphor, I think you can sometimes get a little lost in reality. Um, I think I even had that happen a little bit in this piece. Um, some sections, it... Uh, for some sections, it can just be a little harder to pull the deeper meaning of the metaphor out. Um, as my, I, I showed, I shared this piece with my family after I wrote it, and my dad said it was great, but it made my brain hurt in a good way. And I like that criticism because it's good to think and to have your brain hurt in a good way is fantastic. That's great, you know. But there's a point where you might be losing the reader on the sense from the sense of them being involved in the story and and now they're just trying to now they're just trying to figure out what the like what is going on, right? Is this reality that we're in? or is he actually sailing a boat? you know it, it can be a little difficult when you peel them apart so far. And so, and really what it is, is, is the image you see in your head is so close and intimate. Uh, readers will see that intimacy and they're going to desire to join you on your journey on, in your story. The issue with sitting so close to your writing is that the conjunction of you and your reader is difficult to complete if your metaphor is so consuming that it becomes almost the real matter at hand instead of what is actually real, right? Uh, for example, in paragraph two 
of my piece, um, it almost feels like it's too literal. Uh, in that paragraph, I talked about how uh, the priorities and the importance of priorities and stuff like that. But since it just, I dive straight from me sitting at home on a Sunday to my brother being set upon new waters in an ocean so vast and vibrant, it can almost be seen as too literal where people might wonder for, for just a minute, wait a minute, is he actually sailing and this is his, like his thing is he's going out and sailing this boat? It's like, no, he's not sailing a boat at all. There's, he's not, that's, it's all an analogy. It's all a metaphor, right? But there's a better, there's sometimes, sometimes you can get lost in it. It can be, it can be a little too literal, I feel like. And so, that's a big thing to keep in mind, I think, especially for this piece. That's one thing. If I go back and edit it some more, that's going to be one thing I really keep in mind is to not get lost in the metaphor, but let the metaphor guide you all the same. So anyway, that's the piece, a Stripling Warrior. Feel free to go check it out on my website. It's cashleman.com. Once again, C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. It's going to be on the front page right at the top. If you are listening to this down the road and then you go to the website and it's not on the front page, just go to the January 2021 archive on the right side of the page and it will take you straight there. So um, I kind of wanted to wrap up by giving a, a bed letter tip, right? A bed letter uh, writing tip, something that I kind of stumbled upon as I was writing this piece. And basically that tip would be to never justify body text. And here is why. So, first of all, what is justifying body text? Bo justifying body text is when you use the justify option to make your body of text on a website or wherever you're typing, Google Docs, whatever, look like a complete brick. On the left, it aligns with the left column. On the right, every word aligns with the right column, and it looks like a square brick. Typically, books that you read, like just regular books, are justified. They have uh, words going from the left all the way to the right column in a very nice line down the left and right, right? W websites and things online are very rarely, uh, well, at least body text, is very rarely justified. And the reason for that, and, and what they do instead is they align, they left align, right? So all the words on the left are perfectly in line. All the words on the right are, you know, various lengths depending on how long the sentence was. The reason why this is a reality is because in books, the algorithms they use to do that are very intensive. They're very uh, high, highly technological, use a lot of, you know, whatever, because you have to hyphen, like in books, it hyphens words at the end, so it's in a perfect brick, um, like the words on the page are in a brick. They use hyphens. They use uh, algorithms that space the words out perfectly so there's not like really weird amounts of space in between the words and, and things like that. But when you're on a website, websites don't use this type of high-tech algorithm. They're just going to use a simple algorithm to justify, right? And what that's going to do is instead of using hyphens and finding perfect space for words and, and maybe even suggesting where to add certain words or this and that, what it's going to do is it's just going to put random spaces in between the words. And so it becomes really uh, 
I was going to say stressful, not stressful, but really uh, almost annoying or or uncomfortable or weird to read because you'll have several words, especially if they're small words or in conjunction words and but or stuff like that. Small words, you're going to have bigger spaces in between them. And then sometimes you have big words and then really small spaces in between them. And it gets really weird looking. And so, and it can be kind of uncomfortable to read. So that's my tip for today. That's the better letter tip. Do not justify body text if you're writing on a website. If you're writing in whatever you're writing, body text again, body text. If you're writing, if it's just a small column thing on a website that you have, your own website or whatever you're working on, justified text can work, um, and you can make it look good. But since websites do so much resizing of windows for phone screens, tablets, different size monitors, uh, doing all of that computation is way too much for justification, and so you end up having uh, website content or body content that looks really weird. And so, big thanks to my sister Whitney for this suggestion. Um, I think it uh, was huge. I, I at first had my text justified in this piece, and at, and I thought it was okay. I kind of was sitting so close to it, I didn't notice. But uh, she mentioned that I changed it much better, much better, much easier to read, much better flow, everything. So, huge thanks to my sister Whitney for that. So anyway, I think that is where I am going to wrap up this episode. If you have enjoyed listening, be sure to follow Bed Letter on whatever platform you prefer. Uh, it's on everything pretty much, uh, Spotify and, and Google Podcast, Stitcher and Apple iTunes, all that stuff, iHeartRadio, everything. So you can check out my uh, blog and my other projects that I'm working on over at www.cashleman.com. Just one more time, that's C-A-S-H. L-I-M-A-N.com. Um, it's just my first initial last name.com. But uh, on there, I've got my blog. I've got my, uh, for all my writing, I've got, uh, if you want to check out the previous stuff that I've worked on, like a magazine I released uh, a year or two ago, Cicera Magazine is on there. You can read that. If you want to check out my, the, uh, I, I stream games sometimes, so there's a link to that on there. Just a lot of the different stuff that I've been working on is on there. So feel free to check that out. It means a lot to me. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I hope that you all have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time on Bed Letter. Mm-hmm.